Welcome to Becoming a Sleep Consultant. I'm your host, Jane Havens, a certified sleep consultant and founder of both SnoozeFest by Jane Havens and Center for Pediatric Sleep Management. On this podcast, I'll be discussing the business side of sleep consulting. You'll have an insider's view on launching, growing, and even scaling a sleep consulting business. This is not a podcast about sleep training. This is a podcast about business building and entrepreneurship. Emily Smith is the founder of The Blissful Baby and a newborn care specialist based out of Southern California, offering overnight 24-7 and travel support for families during the fourth trimester. She is also currently growing her business to support families virtually, both for newborn consults and sleep support. As a former educator and nanny, Emily found her love for supporting families in the fourth trimester and beyond, paying particular attention to the emphasis on parent education, setting a family up for long-term success, and the importance of building a rapport and trust with the caregiver and parent relationship. Emily, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Thank you so much for having me, Jane. I'm so excited to be here. So when we were chatting offline, trying to figure out the topic for today's podcast, you had suggested that we discuss how to best empower families through education and coaching. And I just thought that that sounded fabulous. Uh, I would love to hear what your process looks like when you are supporting families and what sorts of things are you doing in your day-to-day with your clients that leave them feeling super empowered? Um, Sure. That's a great question. So it's kind of been um, some trial and error and then recognizing what families' needs are. Um, And when I started recognizing those needs, it became a lot more intentional in the work that I was doing. So Um, I remember when I was like, I don't know, I think it was in college and somebody, it was a career exploration class and they were like, well, think about what you did when you were a kid or think about, you know, kind of like the things you did growing up that you enjoyed. And that's how you end up kind of choosing a profession um, intentionally, but not intentionally. And so um, I remember I stumbled into teaching after college and I thought I was going into this classroom to teach kids. And I realized half of the role, if not more, was working simultaneously with parents and coaching them. Um, I taught kindergarten, so it's a lot more hands-on, right? So people are sending their kids off to school and um, you start to see, you know, academic challenges or behavioral challenges. And really the way that you solve those problems is by working in tandem and hand-in-hand with parents. And so I realized I had this like this knack for coaching parents just as much as I did kids. And so when I started working in newborn care, I didn't realize it at the time, but I remember my first client and, um, you know, I thought I was going in, you look back at some of the, (laughs) the newbie, not mistakes, but experiences. And I was like, okay, I'm going to like care for this baby overnight and it's going to be great. And then I'm going to leave and they're going to take over. And what I started to realize, um, the family that I was working for at the time um, with that first client, they had a five-year-old. So they were really out of the game. Like, yes, five years seems like a short amount, but really a lot happened in the baby world, um, which I think it does continuously change all the time. And so really what that family needed was a lot of coaching. They had no, you know, they hired me and they were like, our first baby, like, he didn't start sleeping through the night until he was a year old. And I was like, what? Like, I don't know a ton about sleep, but I know that doesn't seem like, I don't want to say normal, but it just didn't, I was like, there's gotta be more that you can do. And so 
as I continued to support clients and my business grew, I realized there was a huge need for coaching and empowering parents. And that's really where I thrive. I love taking care of babies who doesn't like snuggling, you know, a brand new newborn, but in order to be successful and to set a family up for success long-term, which is really what I focus on, you have to guide parents regardless if they have one, two, three, four or five kids, things change so much and needs are so individual to the family that, um, the coaching piece really comes in. Um, and I feel like that's where I thrive as well. And, and now that you're more experienced, right? Cause like you, I love that you told that first story. Everybody has a first story. Uh, I can think back to my first sleep consulting client actually. And oddly it was a six and a half year old girl was my first ever sleep consultant client. And here I am getting into this business thinking I'm going to sleep train babies and toddlers. And my very first paying client was a mom of a six and a half year old that she couldn't get out of her bed. Right. So we all have those uh, stories that light up in our own mind, those memories of our very first client before we have all the experience. Now that you have so much more experience, can you maybe highlight a more recent example of a family that you supported and give some sort of point to some actual things that you did to coach them through something or educate them in a category where maybe they just like didn't know something that you thought they should know, you know, give us, give us some examples if you can. Sure. Um, it is funny now because you start to think like how things have evolved over time and, and, um, how you've gotten better, but you also just learn how to work with what you're given. Um, which I think is the beauty of this work because you get exposed to so many different things and experiences that help you refine your craft. Um, but I'll tell you about a recent experience and how I supported that family. So, um, the last client that I worked with, um, they were brand new parents, I'm super excited. And the funny thing about new parents is that they come in with all of these expectations, right? They read books. They're the world of social media, I think, has created so much access for families and and for new parents. Um, and so they had all of these ideas, but they're like, we literally like don't ever hold babies. Like we have no idea like how to do things. And so we have this like picture of picture in in, in our head of like what this is gonna be like. But obviously we hired you because you know what it actually is like. Um, and so they, I was with them for about 10 weeks, um, from the time, um, the baby was born. And so really what that looks like, and, you know, a lot of that too is assessing like their needs, right? So understanding what do they do? How do they function as a family? What are their parenting styles, which is going to evolve in that period of 10 weeks. And it's going to change all the time. Um, I think until you get your footing. And so, their primary goals were um, really to be focused on sleep. They were going back to work. Um, uh, mom went back to work at six weeks, actually. Um, and dad had three months of paternity leave. And so they wanted to figure out how do we set baby up for a really healthy, um, you know, healthy sleep environment? How do we fine tune if we down the road need to sleep train and you're not here? Um, but we really want to avoid that. So what can we do to um, set the baby up for success? And then also, too, I think a lot of it was like educating them on like safe sleep practices, right? Like, I think that's a thing that comes up a lot um, with families is um, it's really difficult, I think, as a new parent to distinguish between what is, I don't want to say what is right and what is wrong, but like what is real and what is not real. Um, there's just so many pieces and sources of information. and so being able to synthesize that information for them, give it in a friendly, 
um, way that works in their communication style and then being able to work hand in hand with them and teach them those things and give them feedback throughout the experience. So it can be, you know, like what that looks like is guiding and modeling and showing them like, here are how we set a routine, here are how we um, practice safe sleep. And then when they're figuring that out, guiding them and coaching them in a way that's really not judgmental um, so that they feel successful and that they're able to essentially take like the baton when you leave and continue that um, with, I don't want to say minimal error because we're all going to make mistakes, but really in a way that feels sustainable to them. Yeah. One thing when you were talking about safe sleep, one thing that comes up in my world all the time, and I would imagine maybe it even comes up in yours even more is uh, the whole thing with like the baby sleep positioners, you know, like the docatots and the snuggle me's, um, you know, I think parents legitimately think that these devices are safe because everybody's using them, right? Like you go into a Facebook group and you see a mom say, you know, um, my baby won't sleep more than 35 minutes at a time. I'm dying slowly. Like, give me your best tips and tricks. And 40 moms chime in and say, like, you need a docatot or you need this or you need that. Right. And, and so then parents who like are told by their pediatrician that babies are to sleep, you know, in their crib or bassinet or pack and play, they just think like, Oh, like docatot must be in that category or, you know, like, or, or any of those sure. sort of things. Right. And, and these are, these are highly educated families that we're working with that are, uh, really well-read and really knowledgeable. And as you said, there's just so much information being thrown at them that sometimes it's really hard to decipher, like what is, what is good information? What is not so good information? Right. Um, and, and we have to come in there and educate them and support them through making really good choices for their children. Totally. Well, and I think too, you know, like it's the, I always say it's like the riffraff or like it's the noise that exists around you. But um, I think that's really hard for new parents, especially when you have, you know, grandparents coming in, they're flying into town, they're staying with them and they're like, well, when we did this, we did this, but you have to realize like that doesn't apply. That was 30 years ago um, or the good old like, well, you turned out fine. Um, you know, and I think too, like I have a lot of empathy and compassion when you're a sleep deprived parent, um, you will do anything to get your child to sleep. And so it's not our job. I think, you know, like the way that I practice specifically, it's not my job to come in and lay the law down and, and to judge you, but it's to say like, here are your options and choices, what feels right to you, but also like here are negotiables and here are non-negotiables non-negotiables that I personally have to protect myself, but also because I care about um, your child that I'm caring for or your children that I'm caring for. Yeah, I think that that's really a great way of putting it. Like, here are the options. Uh, here are the things that are non-negotiable, <laughs> right? And, and letting them make hopefully really good decisions for their family not just to protect your liability, but just because it's what's best for their baby. Totally. Yep. I call it the menu. <laughs> what do you mean by that? So uh, it's funny that you say that, like the options. So I think when um, one thing I've realized in working with families is like, they're not cookie cutter, right? I remember when I came into this work and I like took all the courses, I, I took my newborn care training and I had a couple of courses under my belt and then a lot of experience and different, you know, applicable 
um, professions and things as such. But I remember being like, okay, this is what's going to happen. Like, here's that information and it's going to be step by step. And what I really realized very quickly is that each family and each baby is so unique and specific. And so it's not a one size all fits approach. And so what you really have to do, and that's why continuing education is so important um, when you're doing this work, because being able to stay abreast on that information and then recognize here are these unique needs. This family prefers this type of parenting or this family, you know, being able to identify that, but then also say, here are your choices. And ultimately I tell all of my families this when I both interview and when I come in their home is I'm not the parent. I'm not the one who makes the ultimate decision. I'm a consultant. So I will give you those menu options. You choose what feels right. If it doesn't feel right when we choose it, it's not a be all and, you know, be all end all it's let's try something else and see what feels good for everyone. And sometimes that is some trial and error. Um, but ultimately I found families are more successful long-term and they're able to sustain when I teach them, when they're able to choose something that works for them. Yeah. Right. That makes perfect sense. And we sort of glossed over this a little bit, or we touched on it, but I want to circle back around. I'm really, what I'm thinking about it, I guess I'm wondering when it comes to educating new parents, how you're balancing your own philosophies with your client's parenting style, uh, especially when they're not completely aligned. How are you handling that? (laughs) I'm laughing at that because it's kind of twofold um, and it is some trial and error, right? So, um, you know, I think personally as, as who I am as a human, um, I am a very non-judgmental, empathetic human being. I have a lot of empathy for families and just for like people in the world in general. And so I try my best to take that approach into homes, right? Um, every family is unique and different. And ultimately, sometimes you'll, <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing now, but I, because I've run into instances, I'm trying to think of different examples where you're like, uh, not so much. But um, I think that's also the beauty in this work is like everyone is different and everyone practices different. And I think something that I realized, like when you say, how do I balance that is, Um, I've learned to just appreciate the different things that I'm exposed to. Um, Like, obviously there are negotiables or excuse me, there are non-negotiables around like safe sleep, right? That's something that just isn't like, Hey, we'll kind of fit that. Or, you know, how do I balance how I feel with what you feel? But really, I think what the solution to your question is, is that you have to realize like, this is very heart centered work for myself. Like, because I am that empathetic and compassionate person, um, I come from the heart. And when I am able to connect with my clients and like really see who they are and take away all of the like micro decisions, right? Like the choices they might make and some of the mistakes that they might make, we realize like we're able to comp- connect on that capacity. And ultimately my role is to like help them be a better parent um, with whatever fits right for their family style. And so yes, there's funny things that arise. You're like, that's an interesting way of doing that. And I'm laughing in particular because I think sometimes it, it happens more with dads, right? <laughs> like they may think of like, <laughs> I'm trying to think of funny examples, but just like in their mind, what is going on? Um, and I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> well, actually like, here's some of the information that I know. What do you think about that? And really that's why it's so important to build relationships and to figure out um, how to do that. If you do struggle Um, because ultimately parents are going to trust you and they're going to be more receptive to what you have to say. Um, but it goes both ways too. There's things that I learned and just like being open-minded. So 
Um, that comes, you know, with each experience. And I think too, the other piece is that you learn over time, Jane, and I'm sure you've realized this too, like what your ideal client is, right? Like I have been in plenty of instances where I'm like, whoa, (laughs) like we are so different in the way that we think and like our styles, um, personally and professionally. And so as you evolve as a professional, you start to focus and attract on those clients who are more aligned to you both in a professional manner, but also personally. And so that, um, kind of those conflicting viewpoints tend to dissipate over time. Yeah. I I think that when you, as you get more experience in the field, uh, first of all, you can more clearly see your ideal client, (laughs) right? Like in your case, if you're being interviewed face-to-face, like you're sitting across the table from them and after a few minutes of chatting, you know, like these are my people or these are not my people, (laughs) right? Um, And I I don't know how you figure that out, but I know that you can. I know that we all can figure that out um, when we have a little bit of experience. Um, And then, you know, virtually, sometimes it's a little trickier, but um, just because sometimes personalities don't come across the same way, on a phone or a zoom call as, as they do in person. But, um, I do believe, I firmly believe that when you're really truly putting out like your true self, um, you're attracting people that are attracted to you. And then in turn, that tends to be the people that you want to be working with. Would you agree with that? So I don't know, it's like an energy thing, (laughs) right? Yes. It's it's so funny you say that. Because when you brought that up, I was literally thinking it's totally an energy thing. And like, I know that sounds really woo woo, um, but it's funny. I look back at like just the history of, of all the different clients I've worked with. And in the beginning, I like what you said about being your authentic self Um, in the beginning. I think, you know, like I've always been a very confident person, but you know, when you're in a a newer line of work and it's like your first couple of clients and you're like, I really want to build business. Like I'll do whatever it takes there were times I I compromised some of my authenticity and I realized I ended up in situations where I was like, this is not a great fit. And if I would have been more honest with myself in the beginning, um, and it's not a right or wrong thing. It doesn't mean I'm right or wrong. It doesn't mean the client is right or wrong. It just means our styles and our personalities don't mesh and that's totally okay. Um, And so over time, I've realized number one, to not ignore those red flags when they come up two or three minutes into the conversation, that's okay. Um, but number two, like, I love what you said about just really being your authentic self, um, and showing up. And I used to prepare when I would have, um, zoom calls with families. And now it's like, Nope, this is just going to be a conversation because if this family isn't a fit for me, like there will be one that falls into my lap. Um, and so what, what has transpired over the time that I've done this is like, I've really, I don't know if attracted is the right word, but like I attract like the right people. And it's a really, it just makes it that much more of a powerful, um, a powerful experience on both ends where you're satisfied, you're getting your needs met. Um, they're getting their needs met. You know, you tend to mesh better. Um, you have better outcomes. It's more enjoyable. Um, and it, you know, it just works for everyone. And I laugh because with my current client, I remember they interviewed when we interviewed, you know, and everyone has their questions that they ask, um, but there are commonalities. And I just remember having the easiest conversation. Like we ended up talking about a lot of things that were more personal interest interests versus like, how do you work in the home? Um, and it's a, re- it's probably been like my most aligned client so far. 
um, which is cool to see. Yeah. People, I think I, I'm known in the sleep consulting business as being sort of like a straight shooter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, sometimes <laughs> I introduce myself. I'm like, I'm Jane straight shooter Havens. Like I, I don't, I'm not one to typically bite my tongue. I call it like it is. And, and that's not for everybody. Yeah. But the client that I am attracting is somebody that wants somebody to give it to them straight, right? They're busy. They're tired. They need their problem solved. They, they're they looking for a solution and I am there to give them a solution and to support them through the process. Boom, boom, boom. Right. And, and that is not for everybody. Uh, but it's for the people, the families that I am attracting. And, and that's me putting myself out there truthfully, authentically, and sending that out into the universe And, you know, as we said, it is an energy, right? And then people feel that and they're attracted to that and that's what they want and they come and get it. And, and, and then also a whole lot of empathy and patience and compassion because that needs to be there too, right? Um, Right. It it all, it all needs, it's all a piece of the puzzle. Um, We've talked a lot about you supporting families in home and what that looks like. Um, How are you able to achieve the same goals, I guess, um, when supporting families virtually, specifically with regard to like providing that high level of education and then coaching them? Do you find it uh, just as easy to coach someone virtually as you do in home or do you do struggle with that ever? That's a great question. Um, so I think that virtual work is not for everyone. Um, I remember I was just, I attended a birth boss, birth boss summit a couple weeks back with, um, a bunch of the industry leaders in birth work. Um, and I remember, I can't remember what session it was, but there was a session that talked about like identifying like the type of work style you have and, and being authentic to what that work style works. Some people only can work in home. Some people can only work in virtually. What I have realized is um, my virtual clientele are generally families that I have previously worked with where they're either struggling to execute after I leave um, or it's down the road, right? The baby is six months old and they're having a regression and they're like, I can't remember what you told me about how to um, help or how to resolve this problem. And so what the natural transition with that, right, in supporting those families is there's already trust established. I tend to continue to stay in touch with clients, um, number one, because I offer additional support um, and packaging. But number two, just on a personal level, when you spend, you know, eight, 12, sometimes 16 weeks in a home, um, you develop a really intimate bond over a big piece of that person's life or that family's life. And so there's that trust established. And I think that immediately makes the virtual work easy because you don't have to figure out how do I do this in a really short amount of time? It's already there. And so we can do the work together and I can be real with them. Um, and I know their communication style. So, um, that's one piece of it. The second piece of it is the other clientele tend to come from their friends, right? It's somebody like, Hey, I have this mom friend. Oh my gosh. I had Emily in my home. We worked really well. She does all these, all these things. Here's her information. And so that's typically a pretty easy way to, um, transition into the virtual work as well. And so what that support generally looks like, you know, like right now is there's previously established relationships 
I'm currently in the process of scaling and figuring out how do I find clients outside of that scope as I kind of start to move to more virtual support. That That's my long-term goal. And so I'm figuring out the pieces of what does that support look like? How do I gather that information? How do I understand their parenting styles? And one of the techniques that I've learned is number one, you need to send out questionnaires. Um, <clears throat> that context helps me understand what are their problems right away. So that when we hop on um, kind of like a discovery call or we hop on that first consult, I have that context and we can really maximize our time together because the first couple of consults I remember doing, it was more about the problem, right? And then I was like, oh, wait, now you need to be coached about um, how we're going to solve this problem and we don't have time to do it. And I found that, you know, offering a sleep supplant or a sleep plan without that additional conversation was it was challenging for families. And so I think that's where tools come in where you really have to understand like what are those communication styles in that questionnaire, take that time in that conversation to maximize what you, they need to focus on, um, understand their priorities, asking the right questions in the consult, and then figuring out how does this person best communicate with what is on their plate, whether that looks like Voxer conversations, audio messages, if you have an iPhone. Um, you know, text, email, where are they most responsive and then doing the continual check-ins. Um, so I think a lot of it too is like trial and error, right? But it's, it's what I have found is like the accessibility piece, um, which is kind of the cool thing um, about being able to do it virtually. Um, so, yeah. I love that. And you actually sort of led me perfectly into my next question. I was just going to ask you, um, you know, you know, this podcast is is really all about business building and entrepreneurship, which you just touched on. And I'd love to know what you are finding both most challenging and most rewarding about owning your own business and growing said business. It's a great question. Um, and it's funny because I was just reflecting on this with a friend. Um, so what do I find most challenging? Um, entrepreneurship is really difficult. I think there's this perception that like, oh my gosh, like you get to do whatever you want on your own time. You can travel the world. I do a lot of travel support for families and go to different areas. And so the perception sometimes from people who don't know the nitty gritty of the days is that like, that's really cool. Like you're not tied down. Um, what they don't see is the hard work. They don't always see the hard work that's associated with it, right? Like I work really hard to get to the place that I've been. Um, I've made a lot of mistakes. You don't have your own boss. And so a lot of it is like being really self-directed, um, being open to making mistakes, not being so hard on yourself. I think in the beginning, like I remember when I first started doing this and and I got really overwhelmed and there's still times that I get overwhelmed, right? Where I'm like, I have to scale this. I have to do this. Um, I have to do social media, you know, like social media isn't necessarily my thing and my business has always worked without it. Um, I know you just did a podcast on running the business without social media. And I was like, yes, there are other people who do this. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So like a lot of trial and error, um, constantly learning, um, you know, and then also I think, um, a challenge can be, um, like I love working. I like, I love what I do. It doesn't feel like work. Yes, it does sometimes, but like setting those boundaries and, and taking the time to constantly self -ref reflect in your practices, um, you know, to really say, am I doing what I want to do? 
is this going the right way that I intend for it to do? What are my short-term goals? What are my long-term goals? Um, and so just like that constant self-motivation and, and fine tuning your craft, um, understanding that it evolves, people's needs evolve, your needs evolve. And so constantly like doing that pulse check with yourself, um, what do I find rewarding? So many things. Whenever I have like challenging days, I remind myself, um, I love what I do. I love the autonomy that I have. Um, I love that I get to choose my clients. Um, I love that I don't have a boss. Um, I've had some, some professional experiences, like honestly, where the bosses, I didn't quit the job. I quit the boss. Um, and it was really challenging. Um, and so I feel really empowered because I'm now in the situation where like, ultimately, you know, when I commit to a family, like I always follow through, but there are times that, um, you know, you may not feel aligned or you have that initial conversation and you're like, yeah, this is not for me and feeling empowered and confident to turn that down, knowing something else is going to come. Um, I love the autonomy. I love, um, being able to, um, impact other people who want to, you know, like I'm very entrepreneurial, not just in what I do, but like coaching friends and family and other women to like really go after what, um, what they love and creating a business around this. And I love the work you do, Jane. It's so funny because I haven't taken your course, but like I followed you and, um, you know, you're incredibly skilled in the sleep world, but also you're equally as skilled and passionate about the business building. And I think in modern society, right. Um, it's really hard to be a mom. It's really hard to be a woman. And, um, I think it's really unique that we're able to create something based off of our passion and <clears throat> live a life that's like really aligned and authentic to who we are, but also that where we can like tackle everything. Like we can be moms, we can juggle all of those things. We can be wives, partners, and we can also do what we love and not feel super overwhelmed at the expense of somebody else. Yeah. I love all of that. I love that you said that your work and just like your existence in this entrepreneurial space has led you to feel empowered to support others and to rally other women and to encourage them to, to take a stab at something, you know, challenging or different or hard or dreamy, right? Because um, that's where I am in my life right now is I love that I have you know, the freedom, the flexibility, all the F words that, that come along with <laughs> entrepreneurship, right? The, the better F words. Um, and I just, I want to like show that to the world. And I know it's not for everybody. I know that some people are best in their nine to fives and, and that not everybody needs to have their own business and try to conquer the world. But it really is incredible to have um the option to live and work the way that you desire. And there's really nothing better. And when you're doing it, you want to help others do the same, even if, even if that's not everybody else's dream. But I love that you sort of touched on that, that you want to show that to other people because so do I, it's, it's like the greatest feeling ever. Um, before we wrap up, I know you're not sort of super present on social media, but, but share, <laughs> share your social media or, you know, if, if there's a better place for people to connect with you, uh, where can people find you if they want to reach out and learn more from you or about your services? Yeah. Great question. Um, so I am on social media. Um, I do have an Instagram handle for my business. Um, that is one of my goals in the next six months is to just like get a little more consistent. 
um, on there so that people can connect. Um, so my Instagram handle is the blissful baby. So the blissful baby is spelled B E B E a little bit different. Um, and I'm on Facebook as Emily Smith. There's probably a million Emily Smiths. Um, but yeah, (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming to chat with me today. Um, I'm really glad. First of all, I love just seeing you face to face here on Zoom. And I'm glad that we got to connect and have this conversation. And I just look forward to continued partnership and friendship. And I love that we're just sort of in the same circle in the same universe. And one day, if you decide to join us over at CPSM, you know, I would love to have you. Uh, But thanks again for chatting today. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. It was great. Awesome. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Becoming a Sleep Consultant podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, it would mean so much to me if you would rate, review, and subscribe. When you rate, review, and subscribe, this helps the podcast reach a greater audience. I am so grateful for your support. If you would like to learn more about how you can become a certified sleep consultant, head over to my Facebook group, Becoming a Sleep Consultant, or to my website, thecpsm.com. Thanks so much, and I hope you will tune in for the next episode.